Mix in the Dark. Hey, what's up? It's Mai Yang from Mix in the Dark. Happy New Year to you all. Before I get started, I want to take some time to welcome new listeners to the channel. Mix in the Dark has only been alive for about a year and a half, and so it's still pretty new. I tell true scary stories from our community of scary story listeners. I want to thank old listeners for staying genuine and true to Mix in the Dark. I appreciate you all so much, and I truly hope that 2022 goes well for you. I am starting off the year with a story called My Last Confession. A new year tends to give us a chance to get rid of any burdens that we have been carrying to allow us a fresh start. So this is a story from someone actually who has already passed away and his family passed along this story to me so that he can rest in peace with this burden off and released to the world. I want to let you know that this story does involve some war gore and may not be suitable for children under the age of 18. I know that we have a lot of younger listeners, so parents, Please listen to this episode before allowing your child or children to listen. This story may also trigger past memories for war survivors, so just be warned. Otherwise, enjoy, and again, thank you so much for listening. I am old now, and to be honest, I know I am probably very close to my death date, which is why I have to make this confession before I go. I want to warn you before I begin that this story is not pretty. It is not about ghosts and spirits. It is a true story about war and revenge. This happened in Laos in the late 1960s. I don't quite remember the years, but during this time, the Hmong was having troubles with the Vietnamese people because we were helping the Americans in the Vietnam War. We lived alongside another minority tribal group called the Khmu people. It is important to note for this story that some of them eventually sided with the Vietnamese in the midst of it all. This was conflicting for us Hmong who sided with the Americans during this time. My father was one of the town leaders for the tribes residing in a location that I will not name. His job was to watch the roads and to make sure that people coming in and out were coming and going for peace and not war. He would be the person to warn his town area if there were disturbances that are unsafe for his town. He did his job well and was well liked by many people in that town. The war was getting more intense as the days went by. The Kamu people and the Hmong people had cold shoulders living in similar areas due to the political war happening. My dad still did his work as a town leader, though. Every other day, he would go out to the village and sit at his road post to make sure that everything was okay. He would carry his basket with rice, roots, and water. He would have his gun and knife that he kept in a basket for protection. My day consisted of chopping woods for our fireplace and going to the garden to help my sisters pick corn and vegetables to sell at the market. We would finish our deeds and come home to make dinner and set the table. We would wait for our dad to come home. He would eventually come home and we would have dinner together. This was our daily routine. There was this one day that my dad stayed home because it wasn't his day to go. That day my grandma wanted to go to the garden. 
At a time like this, it was especially important to have a weapon, specifically a gun, to ensure your own safety. My grandma and mom carried my dad's gun to the garden with them. Not even an hour later, two Kamul people barged in and told my dad that there is trouble at the road where he watches. My dad reached for his gun. He then realized that he didn't have it. The two Kamu men explained that it was okay because they had a gun, and if anything goes wrong, they will use it to protect him. Trusting the men, he rushed out with nothing but the clothes on him. He told me that he would be home soon and to lock the doors. Hours have passed now, and he still has not returned home. I began to worry. My sisters discussed with me that maybe he just got busy and will come home soon. We waited a few more hours. My grandma and mom came back home. We told them what happened. They both had this very worried look on their faces, but did not want to say anything to us. We kept waiting. By this time, it was close to midnight, and my father still had not come home. I was a young adult at this time, and I did not know what to do since it was dark out, so I decided it was best to wait for a morning. The morning sunrise came. I woke up to go check his bedroom. Still, no sign of dad. I woke up to wash my face and rinse my mouth. I decided that I should go to my dad's post to see if he was there. I brought my dad's gun and knife with me in case something happened. His post is about a 30-minute walk. I got there and checked the areas around that location. I went into the woods on both sides of his post. Still, nothing. Disappointed and confused, I walked home. The few hours that he had been missing quickly turned into days. I am now convinced that he is in deep trouble since the Kamu people have taken over his post area and is now playing the town leader of the village. About two weeks have passed now with no sign of my dad. Within those two weeks, I kept having dreams of my dad. They were very weird, but very short. In all of the dreams, he would come and wake me up and tell me that it was time to run. I would always wake up in a cold sweat. I don't know where my dad is, but I had the strong feeling that he is no longer alive. Every day, I would go into different parts of the Hmong village to ask people if they've seen him. I even went across villages to ask. One day, I happened upon this Kamu elder. He stopped me and asked me if I was looking for Vanno. I nodded yes. He explained that two Kamu men watching my dad's post has been bragging that they tortured and killed my dad. Even though most of the Kamu people sided with the Vietnamese, which was the opposite of the Hmong, not all of them were against the Hmong. I realized that they probably planned this because it just so happens that the day my dad was without a weapon was also the day they barged into our home with a ruse. I thanked him and walked toward my dad's post. My blood boiled in anger. I knew what I had to do. I saw the two Kamu men at my dad's post. I waved at them and said, hello, in Laos. I asked the men, have you seen a man named Vano? They laughed and said boldly, yes. We killed him. I fought back tears just hearing them admit their murder with no sympathy. I knew I had to keep my composure. If they find out that I am the son, I am most likely going to get killed. I said, that's good that you killed him. 
That Van Nott idiot is so mean and horrible. He bruised me up a few weeks ago. I'm so glad he's dead. How did you kill him? The two Kumu men laughed and explained that they lied to him that there was trouble at his road post. When they got there, the two men beat up my dad with sticks, tied him up, and dragged him to an isolated area. The two men had planned to torture him to his death. They built a small hut with a small door for my dad and tied my dad to a pole inside. They then built a fireplace inside. The men stood outside of the small hut and began frying pepper inside of the hut. They left the pepper smoking in. They laughed and joked that my dad's eyes had turned this bright red color and were swollen from the smoke. They continued and said that my dad coughed so hard that he coughed out blood. Finally, it seemed he died a slow death from smoke inhalation. My body boiled from anger again, but, like I said, I had to keep my composure. I laughed with them. Tears came from my eyes from anger, but I acted like I laughed so hard it made me sprout tears. Wow, you really tortured him hard, I said. Can you show me his body? I want to make sure you got the right guy. I want to spit on his body. The two Kumu men laughed and stood up and gladly led the way. I watched their clumsy bodies fall as they tried to walk. They were drunk. The area they took me to probably wasn't too far away, but I felt like it was forever. We got to the edge of town into this grassy forest area. I followed the two Kumu men close by as they laughed and hit each other joking that my dad was going to come and get them. I noticed that one of them had a gun. We came upon this tiny hut. I opened the door to peek inside. The pepper smoke from the inside shot up my nose and made me sneeze and cough. I looked down and there was my dad tied to the pole. His eyes were swollen shut. Blood oozed out of his nose. His body slouched to the ground. I pushed him, hoping that he would hear me. I checked to see if there was any breathing from his nose. Nothing. I turned back to face the Kumu men. I took out my gun, pointed it toward them, and demanded that they don't make any movements. I moved over to the man who had the gun and took it out of his belt. I made him tie the other man on the tree, and then I tied him up. I took the stick that I saw next to the hut to beat them until they were bruised and bloody. This was probably the same stick they used to beat my dad. Then I took my dad's knife out. And that was when I began to start cutting at their legs and arms. It was like something took me over. I cried and cursed at them. They screamed and begged for their lives while I chopped at their arms and legs. I was finally done. I wanted their bodies to hang in the sun and bleed to death. I went to my dad and cried, telling him that I cannot take him with me because if I do, I will get killed. I asked my dad for forgiveness and promised that I would take care of my grandma, my mom, and my siblings. I cried even harder when I put my dad's gun and knife away. I took another look at the two Kumu men and spat at them, cursing them one last time. They were still moaning in pain when I left them. I ran toward a stream close by to wash myself, and then I sprinted home. 
When I got home, I shouted at my grandma, mom, and sisters that we needed to leave immediately. Knowing the Kumu people, when they find their people dead next to my dad's body, they will come for us. We packed food, a small pot to make rice, a canister for water, and some of our blankets, and then we left. We ran two villages over where my relatives lived and asked them for help. They were hesitant to help us because they did not want trouble with the Kamul people. But then they figured it may be okay since we were already two villages over. Over the past few weeks, we changed our names and took in our relative's surname. We slowly became part of that village's community. My mom quickly remarried into another family and our surname changed again. Within the mix of things, our past identities have disappeared. I heard from other Hmong villagers that our home was set on fire by the Kamu people and that they searched the whole village for us. Until this day, I could still see my dad's swollen face and helpless body. I still beat myself up for not being able to help him or take his body with me so that the elders can perform the proper funeral rituals for him so that he can move on into the afterlife. Sometimes, I dream of the two Kamu men tied to the tree, struggling to live. These things scare me because they are real. Just the other day, I dreamed of my dad. He came and told me that he, my grandma, and mom were waiting for me. It wasn't a scary dream or anything. It was refreshing. My dad was a righteous, careful, and kind-hearted man. He always made sure to know all sides to the stories before judging or making a decision. I have never told my family what really happened until now. At the time, all my family knew was that the Kamu men killed my dad and that they were most likely going to come for us next. Like I said, I'm pretty sure my time is near, so I want to make sure my family knows. But they shouldn't worry. This is my last confession. Thank you for listening to Mix in the Dark. I am your host, Maye. Mix in the Dark is available on Spotify, Apple Podcast, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast series. If you have a story that you would like to share, please send it to mixinthedark at gmail.com. If there's a story that you really enjoyed, feel free to hit up my tip jar on Venmo. Just search Mix in the Dark on the business tab.